Okay. Well, everybody knows who everybody is up here. And so uh, I don't think introductions are really necessary for this, for this panel. Um, so let me, just, uh, let me just kind of throw out some questions here. I'm going to direct this first one um, to Jim LaFoon because I think he can possibly best answer this. But uh, for greater signs and wonders to flow, should we consume five guys or Krispy Kreme prior to ministry? I think it really depends the kind of miracle you need. Like, I think if it's more of an external miracle, probably five guys. An internal organ, I would go with Krispy Kreme. That sugar helps you go deeper. Is that what it is? That's what I would think, yes. Hey, see, that's, that's called revelation so deep God hasn't heard it yet. So just, just so you'll understand. All right. Um, all right, some real questions here. That wasn't a real one? That was a real question, actually. Um, might, I might have questions we've pondered deeply over the years. Um, wow, these keep coming here. All right. How does a person know if they are called to the office of the prophet? Are they called to the office of the prophet? Go ahead. You know, I think it's really hard for you to know unless it's honestly verified both by the reality of the gift in your life and people you know and trust. Um, I never knew I was called to be a prophet, quite honestly, until my father would look me in the eyes and I really believe you're called to be a prophet. It honestly surprised me. Um, I figured everyone just heard from the Lord all the time. And so I wouldn't worry about that if I was you, quite honestly. If you're called, I guarantee you're not the only person that's been told. Um, Some people you love and respect are going to see it. They're going to tell you. Those are the kind of things that honestly take care of themselves. I mean, a great local church, they'll define you, and you'll begin to understand it, and you'll begin to pursue God, and you'll see it. You know, along those lines, and I made this statement in our, in our school, that, that, and, and while this is a very legitimate question, I think many times our need for the, for the definition many times is driven more from insecurity than function. I mean, the reality is, you know, we need to lay hands on the sick so they recover. Does that make us a healing evangelist? I'm not sure. I mean, we're all called to make disciples. Does that mean we're all called to be capital E evangelists? Maybe not. And so I think that it really becomes more a functional rather than a nomenclature issue. And as Pastor Jim said, um, a lot of people around you are going to know it. And there's, and there's something particularly heady about that word. I mean, you know, if you're sitting with someone on the airplane and they ask you what you do and you say, I'm a prophet of the most high God, <laughs> I can pretty much assure you they're going to be asking for a seat reassignment pretty quickly. <laughs> and so I think it's, I think it's, we just need to be very circumspect with that. The only one better is exorcist. Oh, no, that's a good one. That's right. And the God of the most high had me sit right next to you. Is that what it is? All right. Um, Here's a, here's a great question, Pastor Donnell. How do you bring this back to your church without it seeming like a takeover? I like how Cornelius said, I'm a man in authority and I'm under authority. So you go back to your leaders and you share with them your takeaways and um, share what you believe as you pray the, the Lord would um, maybe do in that congregation. 
and you allow your leaders to speak into it. I love when they can create the boundaries for you and you stay within those boundaries. Um, God does things in a way that, you know, he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways not your ways. We know that's a different context. But the same principle that God places you in, a, in authority but under authority. And if you can't handle being under authority, you're going to have minimal authority to move in because you don't want to lead people the wrong way and then have a core of rebellion going on. So you always want to be sensitive to what God is doing. Share that with your leader and then the trust that leader that he'll hear, he, he or she will hear, hear God in that season and uh, do what God calls for in the, the local church. I think it's important, as uh, Pastor Danelle's pointing out, that don't go with a plan for your pastor. Go with a question. Like, you know, Pastor, this is what I've learned. And, and, and obviously, a lot of us are family, extended family here. And... Um, they know who Pastor Dell is, or I am, or Jim is, and and they can they could even call us. I mean, so you know, it's just a matter of just say this is this is what I saw. How do you think that best fits in our culture? And see that. Can you prophesy over unbelievers? And is it a good idea to do that? Well, we know from First Corinthians fourteen that one of the reasons for prophecy is that unbelievers will have the secrets of their heart revealed and they'll fall down and say, God is in this place. Um, I've had the, the, the privilege of praying over many, many unbelievers and honestly, God loves it. I find the Holy Spirit almost do more with unbelievers than believers, like little clear words of knowledge and do things and really, in, in there's so much unbelief in the culture and I've prophesied over really atheists and New Agers and all kinds of people. When the Holy Spirit breaks through, it shakes them up. Like, okay, how'd you know? It's so, yes, and it's one of the greatest uses of the gift. Let me add to that, that um, when we're in a setting like this, you know, we can look in 1 Corinthians 13, we see in part, we prophesy in part, because we know the word, we understand that there are limitations on what we're doing in what we call New Testament prophecy. Why is that? Because we are not prophesying like Samuel or Elijah or Jeremiah. We're, our, so our, we, we miss it because we're human. We understand that in a setting like this in believers. Unbelievers don't have that context. So with them, you're either right or you're wrong. And there's a, not a whole lot in between. And so you want to be very careful. I would say this. You need to do it, but be careful with specific words of knowledge uh, you, 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 you quote, don't want to miss it with an unbeliever. Amen. The other thing is just be wise in the use of your language. You might not want to with an unbeliever. And God says, because for, for the most part, it's done after those three words, because they can't even get beyond the fact yeah. that God is saying anything and saying it like this. And so many times, the many times, and I'm not saying every time, but many times the best way to do it is just have a conversation with them or just say, can I pray for you? And then just pray for them with that revelation. It accomplishes the same thing. They've been illuminated. They realize that there's something else, somebody else out there that knows their life. And so little, just, just a few nuances to help us out here. Um, one of the questions that we have here is, how do you tell the difference between the human, the, the, a human spirit, an evil spirit, and the Holy Spirit? 
as you're listening? Spirit of discernment um, through the Holy Spirit, um, being relational, intimate with, with God and allowing him to have you, you know, in those places where he'll speak to you um, in that discernment. The scripture says, try the spirit by the spirit. And so as I'm, you know, in environments, the, the Lord is, will speak to me and tell me um, different uh, things that I need to deal with and not deal with. Um, so I believe it's, it's really that cultivation of a relationship with the Lord, knowing his heart, knowing how to hear the Holy Spirit, and, and that spirit of discernment that helps with that. Question here, does anyone on the panel have the discernment of spirits? How did you learn and how does the spirit manifest itself in your life and in dealing with others? Uh, let, me, let me take a crack at that um, because I believe it's one that I operate in relatively fluently. Um, it's, it's not unlike discerning the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so one of the first things that I do in any setting is I kind of I stick my spiritual finger up in the air, so to speak, and try to figure out, number one, is this, is this God? Is this really the Holy Spirit that is either speaking or in operation here? Is this just something emanating from someone's own imagination, their own spirit? Or is this something else? And so many times we have to just discern which one of these there is, and then we drill down. If we discern, well, it's just a person's imagination, just who they are, so to speak. If we recognize that it's the Holy Spirit, this is God. But then if it's a demonic spirit, we have to drill down and ask another series of questions, sort of in the decision tree. One, of the, one at the top of the list is God, in calling, is God calling you in that moment into an encounter. That needs to be number one, okay? What do you want me to do with this, okay? Wonderful, because there are moments that God may actually show you what is an operation in order to give you that, that, that measure of confidence and authority to engage whatever is in operation. Other times, it may just be information for you to pray and come back at a later time. I don't want to unpack deliverance ministry for you. But many times, you know, we can, we can just look and we can just tell this is what's in operation. And many times what's something that's very, very strong in a person's soul or personality, we might think it's demonic when it's not. And so we have to be very, very careful how we're not too quick to call everything a demon. Because let me tell you, flesh can be pretty strong sometimes. Amen? Um, oh, this is a tremendous question. I can hear God pretty well for others, but my glass is extremely dark. How do I hear him clearly for myself? You know, I think those of us that, you know, do this for a living realize the closer you are, the person you're prophesying over, sometimes the hardest it can be. Uh, harder, the more you love them um, because you don't want to see bad things, hear bad things. And, and with yourself, um, I'm fairly accurate with certain things myself, especially if I don't want them to be true and I hear them. Um, now, if it's something I really want and I hear a confirmation, I typically like the Lord to speak more than just to me about that confirmation. Um, and so I think many of us would say that it's not abnormal that we find it easier to hear for others. I, I think it's interesting. It keeps us all more dependent on God as well and on his people to confirm things and do things. Some of you are here when, when Reggie prophesied for me this morning, uh, some things in there I'd specifically been wondering about. One in particular said, 
I asked the Lord for a very specific confirmation some weeks ago and received it. So, I mean, on the other hand, we all start out learning to hear from, from God. And so God speaks things when I was younger, speak things to me that come to pass. And that gave me confidence as I was hearing right to move beyond myself to other people. It's tremendous. Bit of a general question, but I think a good one. Um, how, do you, how do you suggest to someone that they go about developing their spiritual gifts? Pastor Danelle. One is it, there's safety in a multitude of counsel. Check with your leaders to make sure that they see the gifts that you believe you have. Because, you know, we all have spiritual gifts, but we want to hone in on what they are and then be mentored in them. What does the scripture say about them? Getting to the base of the heart of why we have that gift. What does that gift do? And then by cultivating, you have to use them. Um, we have prayer shield every Friday night here. And people say, well, I feel led to pray or I feel like I have a prophetic gift. Well, we say, well, come get on the practice field. Because that's the only way we're going to know is if you get on the field and, and let the leaders around you see it. And then not just see it, be it, but be able to cultivate it. You have to use that gift. So stepping out in faith and being in environments that you can actually practice that gift. Tremendous. Tremendous. Um, gosh, these are all great questions. Um, if you feel God has been calling you to the gift of prophecy, what training should one seek? And should I seek a prophetic mentor to help me better understand and contend for the gift? I think in, in our larger world, it's pretty easy. We have a, a prophetic conference, and um, we also have a prophetic school. And if you're in your local church and your pastor begins to recognize, I think this person has a prophetic school, they know every year, or we may take a break next year, but we're asking, if there anyone you think is prophetic in your church, we're happy to have them. And in the school of prophecy, that gift can be recognized at a greater level and um, God will find you, I will say that. And if you think you have a gift of prophecy um, or you've been here prophesying in the activations, you started prophesying, talk to your pastor and your pastor will know how to talk to Pastor Jim or Pastor Danelle or me and we can help them find the right steps for you. It's tremendous. Great. Um, gosh, where did that question go? Just a moment. So how do we know whether or not to share the details of a prophecy when the vision is grim? Okay, that's a great question. Uh, let, me, let, me take a, let me take a first shot at it. Um, we know from 1 Corinthians 14.3 that prophecy is for strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. And yet, we can see both Old Testament and New Testament, we can see some pretty grim things that got prophesied. <laughs> whether it was the prophet Agabus who prophesied a famine, whether it was how Paul was eventually going to be imprisoned. Um, I mean, we, we can see throughout scriptures that not every prophecy was about health and wealth and dates and mates, um, that there were indeed, you know, quite a few details and warnings that came within the prophetic. You know, I think, I think generally, though, that we can share the essence of what we're hearing and seeing and not scare people to death. Because I believe in the very end, God has redemptive purposes, even if the details may appear grim. I still believe that he's a God of redemption. He's a God yeah. of grace and mercy, et cetera, and so forth. So many times for us, 
it's we may be seeing certain details, but I'm not sure that we have to share every one of those details in order for the essence of what God is trying to communicate to be made known. Now, if it's something that's imminent, there's a warning involved, you know, do what you got to do. But most of the time, I find that when we when we hear sort of the histrionics and people, you know, try and expand and, you know, California is going to finally drift off into the Pacific, you know, and God's going to smite Hollywood. I mean, we've been hearing all those. We've been hearing those words. Your nose in high school. Uh, exactly. And uh, <laughs> last time I checked, California was still permanently attached. Um, and, and so I think we just have to be very, very careful once again. Because we want people, Scripture says in 1 Corinthians again, eagerly desire prophecy. Well, what we don't want is a bunch of chicken little skies falling prophets running around and making people little, you know, afraid of that which God intends to be something that's supposed to channel blessing. From time to time, I get like severe warnings for people. Um, some of them are health-related. I saw one of our key leaders get struck in the heart recently. I didn't call him and say, I think you're going to have a heart attack. What good would that have done? But I did call his key intercessor, and I am praying, and I'm having their praying. So sometimes we get warnings. I try to pray him out first. Like, and, there, and I will tell people, but I'm careful. Like, um, so you, I don't want to hurt their faith. I don't want to scare them needlessly. Um, if I think it can be covered in prayer and disposed of that way, I will. If I think they're getting ready to make a choice that's going to really hurt them, then I will tell them. But I basically tell them as much as I need to tell them to get them to listen. I'll try to spare them if it gets really grim. Absolutely. I mean, for instance, uh, three or four weeks ago, Jim sent me a fairly significant prophecy. First one I've had from him in 15 years. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Got to give me a bit more to work with. How much more could you get? I'm, I'm just about as wide as I... But, but it was some great things in the word. But one of the things inherent in that word was a word of caution. And it had to do with, with, with driving. And he wasn't telling me I was going to get in an accident or die in an accident. But it was a warning from God just to be very, very aware and very careful in travel. And so, but I mean, it didn't, it didn't scare me. But I can tell you, I'm kind of looking a second time now before I change lanes. Jim texted me a word recently that was, honestly, it saved me a lot of mess. I was facing a real crisis in a, a church, and I knew the leader. Well, not, but he was facing a crisis with decisions, and I, I thought, man, I don't know if I should get involved. Next thing my text lit up, Jim said, uh, you're, you're pondering if you should get, how deeply you should get involved in a situation. In fact, here's the pastor's name, coach from the sidelines. Honestly, that was divine to save me a real mess. And now that pastor's texting me, so now. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to find the justice in all this, but anyway. Um, let's see. This is great, Pastor Donnell. How do I judge a prophecy that was given me? Uh, always by the word of the Lord. Um, God's word does not change. So we line it up with the word, and then we ask for confirmation. Um, we go get someone of a leader um, in, in, in our leadership, rather, and we ask them to listen to it to help us discern. Again, that spirit of discernment. Um, and then not helping God with the word come to pass. 
Um, you ponder it. Lord, be it unto me according to your word. Um, so what we do here is if somebody thinks they have a word, we go get one of the vetted leaders and we hear that word. And we're listening, as Pastor uh, Jim said, for comfort, for edification, um, bringing it to the Lord, asking God, is there anything in here that we need to pay attention to that's not of you? And sometimes the Lord will speak to us and say, well, this part here you need to be cautious about. And so when we do get that, we share that with that person so they could bookmark it, but leave it alone and let God do what he's going to do with it. This must have been, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago, Jim was present in a very um, notable prophetic voice for a whole nation, called me up and gave me its big prophecy. I sat down to him and I said, that's just crud. That's ridiculous. I said, that ain't from the Lord. My whole world would have to fall apart by that time. That's stupid. Oh, well, all I can say is it was the word of the Lord. Yeah. And I thought it was so stupid. Within months, you know, my dad had died. I was getting a knee replacement and sh- things all around me shattering. And that really proved to be the Lord. But it seemed so impossible. What happened to me, there was a part of it that troubled me. And I reacted to that too much because I felt like he was kind of trying to recruit me. Mm-hmm. And um, so I reacted to that. And but that was one of the most accurate prophecies I've ever had. I just didn't like it. <laughs> I sadly remember it. You know, I, 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 let me relate one story going back to the other question because this was, this was so vivid um, and so unusual. But when Pastor Jim and I had the privilege of being together in a local church, decades ago, God had God showed me a vision of a woman's face that I had never seen before. And Jim had trained me that you never, we, we just never counseled or discipled women alone. So please hear me. Don't do it, gentlemen. All right. I don't care if you've got, you know, big lights and, you know, big windows beside your women with men, women with men just don't do it. And so and we came, we came out of a group of churches pre, pre-Morning Star Every Nation that they were big on this. And so we were very, very careful, very circumspect. And, but God, God gave me this picture of this woman that was going to try and trip up Jim. Now, let me just say, I know Jim is a hunk of a man that, you know, I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> Kathy. Did say, wait, did you say chunk or hunk? Well, I think if you look back at the original Greek, they're the same, they're the same okay, Greek words. Okay, that may feel better. But I was trying to be kind in this setting. So something about the mountains will move. But nevertheless, the, um, but I, but I'll never, I will never forget one day we were getting ready to, to have this appointment with this dear lady. And I, and I looked out my window and I saw the woman that I had seen in a dream get out of her car. I knocked on Jim's door. I said, she's here. What do you mean she's here? He said, the woman in the vision is here. It was tricky because she was a dear friend's daughter. Now, tell her what, tell, tell them what she said when she so walked in. so true. She walked in. She looked at Jim. She said, I'm so glad he's here because I would have tried to destroy you if you were by yourself. Interesting. That is and I'm, I'm, I'm sanitizing the story. You are. And she got set free and God helped her. But, and I would have probably seen her by myself because she was a dear friend's daughter. And I knew her. She said, you look? Quick chat. And Jim had been warned of the Holy Spirit and came in. So these, this, is, this is real, ladies and gentlemen, let me just tell you. Um, 
This is a great one. As you grew in success in prophetic ministry, I'm not who that, that's directed to up here. Um, that's got to be Pastor Danelle, I'm pretty it's gotta sure. It's got to be, no. got to be. Did you experience pride or comparison as a temptation? And if so, how do you avoid pride as a pitfall? <laughs> Nobody. No. <laughs> Next question. When you have a vision from... None of us have quite mastered that. Go ahead, I shake in my boots every time. I'm thinking, you are saying, thus says the Lord. Do you know how intimidating that is? So, you know, you you tread with fear. Um, So I don't think I ever walked away saying, I I nailed that. I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus, please let that have been you. (laughs) You know, just please, Lord. So you have to meet it with faith and reverence and trust God because we're, we're going to miss it. I mean, we're not going to hit it 100% of the time. But I just thank God that he covers our mistakes and all things work together for the good. But I don't think we ever get to a place that you're like, okay, I've mastered this. You know, the other thing that we need to understand, people are hungry for the prophetic word of God. I mean, it is amazing that there is such a void of the true prophetic that is in the land today. It's almost as Amos prophesied, that there would be a famine, not of, not of bread or thirst for water, but of hearing the word of the Lord, the voice of the Lord. It's not much out there. And so when people find a legitimate expression of the prophetic, they latch onto it very, very quickly. Yeah. And I don't know of anything that will bond an individual faster than a prophetic word, that you are sharing specific intimate details about their life. And many times it can get very confusing for people. I mean, having traveled for a little bit, I can go back to places and having given a word to an individual 20 years earlier and they come and they begin to weep and they be, oh, it all came to me. It's like, I'm sorry, do I know you? I mean, I mean and, and so it's not that we're trying to be callous about it, but it's very easy to get a little heady about that, that you begin to think, oh, okay. But the reality is, ladies and gentlemen, we are always, we were designed to deflect glory, not absorb glory. So, so we, have to be, we have to be very cognizant of what is inside of us, yeah. how we want to cash our checks now. And there's a lot of ministries out there that rather than storing treasure in heaven, they're cashing their checks in this realm. And so I don't know about you, but I'd lot rather have a fat bank account in eternity than to cash checks today. So Amen. Jim, wow. Jimmy, read that question one more time. There's one little part... I, I want to hear it one more time before I say something. Well, I've got to find it. Um, has you grown success in prophetic ministry? How d- did you experience pride comparison or comparison as a temptation? And if so, how did you avoid the pitfall? You know, I think fact of it is we're human. And every time I think I've avoided insecurity, God could put me in a setting where I'm insecure. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. We're just human. And comparison, however, is especially, I think, deadly in prophetic um, and why it is, is, I mean, we can all see someone prophesying and say, man, I don't have that kind of revelation or, you know, I don't have that kind of um, uh, insight. If you're not careful out of competition, you can push beyond measure. And um, you can try to move in a vein that's just not the mode in which God's called you. I'll never forget one of the, the great pastors in America was sharing with me. He was brilliant at pastoring prophets. And he said, you know, Jim, I hate to say this. He said, he said, he had two of the very famous prophets in church. And he said, you know, one of them, Jim, when the other guy came here, he got so insecure, he began to make up words. And um, it's, 
insecurity. I've seen people who you think they're the most secure in the world till they're all of a sudden thrown into a bigger pond. And all of a sudden, it just changes. Because in the end, your gift or your anointing or your bank account or your career or your education is never enough to secure your soul. There's always someone else smarter or faster or more anointed. Or, and only Christ and who he's made you and how he sees you can anchor your soul. Ministry, just like any other professional success, cannot secure your soul. Boy, that's the truth. That's the truth. Here's a tremendous question, Pastor Now I'm going to let you take this. How do you, ha- how do you handle... After God uses you to give a prophetic message to someone that they in turn expect you to prophesy over them every time you are around them. No is a complete sentence. Just put that period right at the end of the O. Um, no, it's not something that belongs to us. We are gifted to be able to speak what we hear the Lord say. So if the Lord isn't saying anything in reference to whatever they want, then now, as Pastor Jim said, we're making up words. And so we're not going to let anybody put us in a place where we're stepping in outside of God's will. So when you hear a prophetic word, it's because God's will decided to say he wanted to say something. And so we kindly tell them no and help them grow in that and tell them that's not how this operates. So share with them so, you know, we're not just going to assume they know better. We're going to teach them that's not how this works. And if they do it again, at least you know they were taught the right thing. Now we're dealing with something different in, in disobedience. Pastor Jim and I knew an old father in the Lord, and someone in his church approached him for a prophetic word. He says, I will not prophesy over you. You are lazy. Seek God for yourself. <laughs> That's true, too. Now, I don't recommend you try no. that. You're not him. Now, Please don't do that, all right? But that is a true story. <laughs> but but the reality is we have to be very careful if we do have these gifts that we don't become somebody's personal guru or shaman. You know, that we really are here to facilitate other people hearing from God. I mean, hopefully what this conference yes, you, I'm sure many of you have walked away from here with personal prophetic words. Great. But hopefully this has just provided a framework for you to be able to better hear from God yourself. Otherwise, you've got to wait for another conference to come around, and the shelf life on that word may not last for 364 more days. We need this on an ongoing basis. Amen? I'll never forget, this is many years ago, being in some kind of leadership gathering, and there were seven or eight people who could prophesy there, and it was all pastors, and it that if you want to prophesy line up, Every senior pastor lined up. And on one hand, I was happy. On one hand, I was worried. Like, how desperate people were to hear the Lord. And the fact of it is, as, as someone who's prophetic, my, my real job in Ephesians is to equip you to hear God too. Yeah. And that's the best thing we can do for you. That's it. And I, I like, I got prophecy over today, and there, that was a very important prophecy for me. But, it was, I wasn't hearing a lot of new news. Like, it was confirming some things. I was holding before the Lord, and I felt like, Lord, a couple of these things, I need someone other than me to speak into this and confirm it. So the greatest thing we can do for you is give you the confidence to prophesy yourself and to hear from the Lord yourself. 
And the essence of Ephesians 4, what we, what we call fivefold ministry that God has given to the church, the gifts of the, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, teacher, pastor, to do what? Not to just fulfill those offices and do all the function, but is to equip the saints for the works of ministry. So that is, in essence, what this gathering is primarily intended to do and to be. Great question. Can the Lord still use a person that's anointed with spiritual gifts that keeps falling into sin? Now, I had lunch with you, Jim. So. You're talking about the number of rolls I ate? Pretty much. About so. But that wasn't sin, was it? Well. <laughs> I ate five or six less than usual. <laughs> That's a scary question in reality, because yeah. the fact of it is, yes. And in that, the gifts and callings of God, the Lord uses, that's really in the context of the nation of Israel. God says, don't forget, they may have, you know, rejected the Messiah as a nation, but their, their calling's still there. And I have watched anointed leaders you know, have, be in adultery every week, repent, preach on Sunday, and be in adultery again. Now, eventually, it's going to catch up with them, and sin's going to tarnish them. And that's why you can never judge how you're doing spiritually by your gift. That's right. It doesn't work. That's so good. You look at Balaam, the false prophet, gave some of the most astonishing prophecies in Scripture. Yeah. It's truth. Saul had a pretty good moment prophesying, too. Yes, he did. Um, let's see, here we are. Um, Pastor Donnell, mm -hmm. when you hear a vision from God for yourself, hear a vision. All right. How about have a vision? What steps do you take to believe for it to manifest in your life? Ooh, quickly get to our leaders and we don't trust what we receive for ourselves actually. Um, it's not that it's not God, but we just operate as if it might not be him more than it is him. Um, I call it wet cement. Um, you know how they'll pour cement and stake it off? And they don't move those stakes and they don't let anybody stand on it until it's established. Well, I believe the Lord said out of the mouth of two to three witnesses, let my word be established. So we wait for confirmation. And not just your best friend and you boo down the street and the person who's already knowing what's going on with you. You need to get to leaders that know you, have, um, you know, helped you, are in your life. Um, I've, I know friends that will get a prophetic word and go talk to pastors that don't have a clue who they are. Not saying that pastor can't speak into it, but you need to be in the house under authority with leaders who know you and hearing um, what the Spirit of the Lord is saying, and then being ready. Um, I say, you know, I used to run track in the, the, the um, baton. You have to hold that word tight enough where you don't drop it, but loose enough where you can pass it. And so sometimes we hold on to it so tight that when the pastor says, I don't think that's God, now we're doing tug of war with God. And then, you know, the Lord is not going to do that with you. He'll just let you do what you want. And now it's a nightmare. And you could have avoided all that just listening to him and counsel so there is safety in a multitude of counsel. Get it judged and wait to see what God does. Here's a good one, Pastor Jim. Do we have an obligation to identify and or correct false prophecies? Yes, in our sphere of influence, we do. Like, I'm, I'm responsible in the Every Nation 
world, if there's a, a false prophecy giving, I have to confront that. If it's going to affect the whole movement. In other words, yes. Am I responsible to correct everything in the body of Christ? Thankfully, no, I'm not. It keep me busy. And so, but yes, if, if there's truly a false prophecy, um, now typically it's the job of the local pastor and elders and those in the church, but if it like grew beyond that, yes. Um, and by correct, typically these days, you can normally do it privately because prophecies aren't given in a public setting. But if someone sent somewhere around by email in some church, this was going to happen. And you end up being judged in the arena in which you fail. And so, yes, you'd have to. We were not in the meeting, but many, many years ago, um, one of the really well-known prophets in the United States was in a gathering of leaders and called a pastor out. And he did it publicly. And he called him out and said he was in adultery. Wasn't true. And it was absolutely not a true prophecy. Now, in the context of that meeting, it couldn't really be. It, it really wasn't. In that moment that it was delivered, it really wasn't dealt with. Except this prophet, this prophet did, he, did he ever recover? He's died, I know. Um, sense, but didn't die over that. No, not, not over that. I, I, I will say that prophet had a horrific lack of wisdom because if I ever felt some pastor was an adultery, I would never do that publicly. What if I'm wrong? That was honestly the height of stupidity. And the Bible says if your brother's in sin, you go to him privately. Yeah. And so I would have gone to him privately and said, listen, are you doing it? I'd have asked it as a question first. Like, I'm concerned of, are you, um, are, is something pulling at you morally? You want to be really careful because that was just the height of idiocy. You don't do that publicly. I mean, you go privately, maybe you go to the man, and if they don't listen, you still feel, then you bring one of the men's friends. It just was unbiblical. Not only was it untrue, it was terrifyingly handled. And to, to that end, and I think this goes without saying, is that prophecy is not a badge. It's, it's not, let me show you my authority. That is... That is, that is not what this is. And when, 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 the, when prophecy slips into the role of trying to be a policeman, that's a problem. Quick. It's a big problem. And I see many prophets that, that, that sometimes, I don't see many, but I see some prophets that try to slide into that arena to try to think that they are the ones that are always trying to bring direction and correction to a situation. And that can be, how many of you know that can be a bit tiring to be around these types of people? And particularly in the prophetic, because we are representing heaven. We are also representing of, we're representative of how the Father feels about an individual, a church, a nation, et cetera, and so forth, when we're doing that. Yeah. So like Pastor Jim says, we, we really do need some, some PI, some prophetic intelligence, you know, as we, as we handle this gift. Let me add a comment. When I mentor people in the application of the prophetic gift to things like deliverance and counseling, I tell them, never make a statement when a question will do. So if, if I'm around someone, the Lord says, uh, they were abused. They were physically abused. I'll never say, hey, Lord shows me you're abused. Well, what if I'm wrong? Or what if they're not ready to deal with it yet? So, so I may say, I say, you know, did you ever go through like a time in your child when you had some really pretty harsh treatment? 
So what I want to do is a lot of times when I'm in conversation, I'm using prophetic revelation to guide my questions. Because you want to be careful with that. Because number one, you're not infallible. And number two, it may not be time. And so if I think a person has sinned morally, and that's happened before, I'm going to go pastorally and lovingly. Man, I've been concerned about you. Like, are you okay? How's your marriage? I mean, I'm going to just give them opportunity to open up to me. Perfect. Great. Um, Here's a great question, Pastor Donnell. How do I overcome my fear of, of stepping into the calling that has been spoken and prophesied over me? First, you got to deal with the fear. I don't care what you're fearing. Um, God hasn't given you the spirit of fear. So you have to deal with that fear. Um, and then everything we need to do is always going to, you're going to always have to add faith. Anything you do for God, you have to add faith. So you add your works with your faith by getting with a leader, going to a prayer meeting, whatever you feel you're called to do, submitting that, getting help, getting counsel, getting mentorship in it and continuing to do it. Um, I remember when Pastor Jim first, well, actually it was Pastor Brett, um, there was a baptism and I was attending and I didn't know the person. I was actually cleaning up the the, um, communion elements. I was on duty that day and um, Pastor Brett just says, well, if anybody has a word for this person, and I'm not even at the baptism in, in the room, and it bubbled up. So I just raised my hand like, sir, I think I have something to say. And he said to me, um, go ahead. And so I shared it. And the person that I was sharing the word with, she looked at me like, how do you know that? The husband almost dropped to his knees like, who is this woman? And Pastor Brett comes to me and says, look at you prophesying. I said, is that what that it was? And he started laughing. He said, yeah, that's what that was. And so then, you know, put me under Pastor Jim and, you know, just learning. And he said, I want you to come to every baptism. I want you to be there. And I want you to share with them what you believe you're hearing. And then I would hear Pastor, both Pastor Jims come. And I would ask God to help me hear and either tell me a vein in what they're going to say. Can I be in the neighborhood, Lord? Just to confirm that I was hearing right. And then they would say a lot of things that I was hearing. And I said, okay, God, there's something to this. And so adding my faith to um, doing it. And then Pastor Jim, um, we had a prophetic night. It was a Friday night. And um, he was, and you weren't even on staff then. You were coming from Rocky Mount. And he came in to prophesy, and so I'm all excited, like sitting in the congregation, and he leans over the Pastor Brett, and he says something, and then he leans back, and he said, Danelle, I need you to come up here. And I'm thinking, yes, I'm going to get the first prophecy. And then he looked at me and said, you going to prophesy? I was like, what? <laughs> what? And so I quickly, like I didn't have a moment to, you know, run, although I wanted to. I said, well, and he said, believe the gift or not. You know, either you're going to do it or you're not. And I was so grateful he said that because it, it activated my faith to God. I'm going to trust you that you're going to say something through me. It's tremendous. Um, great question. Is it considered disobedient if you choose not to share a word that you've received from God? Let me, let me take a run at that one. Um, if you choose not to share, the question is, why are you choosing not to share it? Now, if you're choosing not to share it for some of the previous reasons that Pastor Jim and Pastor Nell have shared, 
is that perhaps it's not the timing, it's not the venue. I mean, there could be a lot of reasons under the guise of just wisdom and compassion and empathy that you realize this is not the best moment to call out sin in somebody's life. And so that's, that's, that's never disobedient. That's reflecting the heart of Christ. All right. But if, if you, if you're just holding a word for whatever reason, be it timidity or fear or, uh, you know, whatever it might be disobedient, perhaps, and the Holy Spirit will be very faithful to deal with you about that. All right. But, but let me say this to you. Um, Elijah was a pretty good prophet and he had a moment in the desert where he was whining to God that he was the only one left. And God just gently reminded him, I don't think so, buddy. There's 7,000 I've held in reserve who have not bent their knee to the bales. And so God has built in something called redundancy. And I know that I have been in meetings where I have kind of set on a word and then listen to somebody else prophesy my word. Because let me just tell you, God is so intent about communicating. Trust me, he'll move around you if he can't move through you. <laughs> okay. Now, now the, the bet, I mean, it, it's best if God uses you. Amen. And at some point, if you're not obedient to those nudgings of the Holy spirit, those nudgings will, they'll kind of begin to go away. It does become sort of a use it or lose it kind of phenomenon, quite frankly. Now I know you say, well, how about the gifts and calling of God or without repentance? I got all that, but let me just tell you, the more you do it, Pastor, Pastor Donnell did a brilliant job this morning. I mean, it's about pouring out. Yeah. It's about pouring out. The more you pour, the more it comes back. Amen? So, so tremendous. Any, anything else to add to that? Okay, cool. Um, oh, this is great. I can't wait to hear from you on this one, LaFoon. What do you do when your pastor is telling you what they think they're hearing from the Lord about you, but you don't agree with him? That's a more serious question than you might think, by the way. That is a hard one, too. Um, I think a lot of it depends where you are, at what stage you're in in life. You're young, new. You can listen to your pastor. If you're more of a peer and you're on staff, and and I, I don't think it's wrong to ask Explain it to me more. I've always heard a different thing. I think there's a respectful way to do that. Um, but typically with me, the, the men, and I have a group of men I really trust, if, if they say to me, what you're hearing we don't believe, I'm going to listen to them based on the fact that I know the same God that speaks to me can speak to them. Um, so... And I know the trick of the, well, they're not prophetic. They don't understand someone wired like you. They're just a teacher. I know all the little tricky lies that come, but God can speak to them. And, um, and I I think if you ever gotten a situation, a legitimate situation where you were being wrongly defined, you could appeal up, but best not pull that card often. That's all I can say. Um, Good. Say something to them Please. Um, we have to remember we're growing, you know, so when you get saved, you don't start off as an adult. It's an infant and desire the sincere milk of the word. Um, and so there are going to be leaders around you that um, see and you're going to have to by faith believe it and ask God about it. 
um, the scripture says a wise man loves correction because it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And so that correction, if, if, the, if you're not listening to your leaders, then why are they your leaders? You know, what is it that, and I'm not saying go choose another church of, you know, somebody that you, you know, want to hear what they have to say. That's good. You have to be able to grow. And I believe we have blind spots on purpose because God wants us to, one, be able to receive correction, two, practice humility. And so you may not see it. And I've had many conversations with Pastor Brett. I'm like, sir, I don't see it. But that doesn't mean I don't, I'm not saying it's not true. Pray with me. Help me to discern. I'm going to get with God with this. And, and he was always right. you know. But, you know, it's just that moment of humility where you're not rejecting it. You're open to that correction and you want to be corrected. This is a this is a great question. Um, what do you do when you realize the word that you gave was actually way off base? The tricky thing is sometimes it's hard to realize. Um, if you do, like I've been prophesying, like over, maybe over twins, and I think I hate that because I, I, sometimes I I can reverse them. And from time to time, I just tell people, listen, if you want, hey, listen, if you want to know what God's saying, just reverse them. Really, I, I gave your husband, I mean, I had a couple of times where I just think, I just tell him point blank, hey, I'm not sure about that. Judge that more carefully. I'm just really honest. And it's not frequent. Um, but I will just, if I say it, if that's what I think, I'll tell him. You know, and what I'll do if, if I feel like, if I feel like that, God is sharing something with me that's really germane, that, that really needs to be said, but I'm not, I'm not really, really sure. I will qualify it before yep. I let it come out of my mouth. I will too. That's good. You know, I'll just simply say, you know what? I'm really sensing this, but I, I, I want to submit this to you, have this judged, wait it through, but I'm going to go ahead and share it with you. Yep. Now, I may not do that with somebody that's young, that's immature, who might not be able to handle it, but particularly if it's somebody that, is, that I know We'll sort through it correctly. I will kind of take a risk and I'll go out there sometimes, but I will, I will always too. qualify it beforehand. So hopefully I'm not having to do a lot of cleanup after the fact, after somebody has, you know, sold their house, given away all their money and <laughs> moves, moves somewhere to the Middle East. All right. So, um, all right. And then, um, what the last question here then, how do you maintain consistency? Practice. Perfect. Um, you know, the, the world says practice makes perfect. No, practice makes permanent. So you must practice the right thing so that it becomes permanent. And so, again, get around people that um, are vetted, that you know are, are trusted, and um, help, ask them to help you with it, um, to continue to practice it. And it's a discipline. Um, and, and be careful because you can also almost make the gift the, the, the priority. The priority is being a great disciple, hearing God's voice and being available to him. That's the main, keep the main thing, the main thing and practice always hearing his heart, hearing his voice and um, getting out there and doing what he's called you to do. I think too, that I was one little crack at is that you got your outflow and your inflow. If you, you're always prophesying, but you're never spending time with God receiving his life and his grace and love, you're going to lose your consistency. 
it'll, it'll fool you because you fill your tank up. You can, what's happening is you're minutes on that tank, but in the end, you want a consistent prophetic flow. You better have a consistent devotional intake where you're with God, hearing God, he's loving on you. He's speaking to you because if you don't, eventually that's going to create inconsistency. Sooner or later, your external life with God's going to become the reflection of your internal life with God. It's tremendous. You know, it's like if you think about the realm of athletics or you think about the realm of of any art, you know, it's not guys that can make the big play occasionally. It's money ball. You know, it's being able to get on base. It's ability just to just to keep consistently moving ahead. And that, that's, what, that, that's a guy that's going to get picked up by the team every year who can put the points up there every time, not the guys that can make the big plays. Um, I think Joshua Bell, the violinist, he made this statement. Someone was asking him about practicing. He made the statement that says, you know, the old axiom goes that we, 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 don't pra- we practice until uh, we don't make mistakes. He said, but I practice until I can't make a mistake. Mm. Now, that's a, and there's a fundamental difference in those yeah. two things. Now, we know in the realm of the prophetic, we can make mistakes. But the point that he's trying to make here is that the more that we do it, the more confidence we don't have in ourselves, but the more confidence we have in God. Because let me just tell you, none of us here, and those, those of you out there that have any ministry, you understand this deeply. You have no confidence in the flesh at all. And prophecy is one of those things that God either does it or it doesn't happen. There is nothing in between on this. Because otherwise, we're making stuff up, trying to make people like us in the moment. That's right. And that is not prophecy. Mm-hmm. Amen? So God, it's, it's a little bit like any miracle. Amen? Either a person walks out of that room who was in a wheelchair or they don't. There's not a whole lot in between. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Well, thank you, Pastor Donnell, Pastor Jim. Thank you very much. Well, dear saints, we come to the end of the ninth year. We are done. Wow. Amazing. Uh, Pastor Jim and I, who we, we just, we're still surprised that we're nine years into this. It seems like we just got started. But we are blessed that you came, and we trust that it was a blessing for you to be here. We trust that you're going to go back full of the Holy Ghost and fire and the Word of God, bigger ears, amen, amen. and hopefully a bigger heart as well. <laughs> Let me pray for us as we go. Lord, thank you so much for these men and women. God, I pray that the investment that they made, both financially, God, of their time to get here, God, there would be a return on investment, God, that they don't even, they're not even aware of yet. Lord, we thank you for those that poured out and labored during this conference, those that taught, God, preached, God, the, the worship ministry, those that served in hospitality. Lord, we're asking that there would be an overflow back to them as they have poured out as well. Lord, we pronounce now traveling grace, mercies over all of us as we go back to from whence we came. God, love these people. Make yourself known to them. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you. See you in a year. <laughs>